Hi, I'm Nancy Malone. I'm the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Thank you for stopping by for another episode of On Screen and Beyond. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak. This is episode 314 of the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week, joining us is actress and studio executive Nancy Malone. Now, shortly after we recorded this interview... This past weekend, Nancy has passed away. She passed away at the age of 79, but we still want to bring you the interview. It's a fascinating interview with an actress and studio executive who was one of the first women to be a studio executive. So uh, I hope you'll enjoy the interview. And she also is noted for her time on the TV show Naked City and a very popular Twilight Zone episode. So I hope you'll join that. That's coming up in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. But first, got to get right into Remake Madness. Please hang up and try again. Remake Madness, it looks like James Cameron has hired David S. Goya, the writer of the new Superman Batman movie, to write the remake of The Fantastic Voyage, which has been in development for many years now. And a remake of Frankenstein is in the works, starring Daniel Radcliffe as the hunchback Igor and... Also look for James McAvoy as Victor Von Frankenstein. And Ben Affleck is directing a remake of the thriller Tell No One. It's a French movie based on a novel. That's it for Remake Madness. Coming up next on On Screen to Be On, upcoming new movies. Upcoming new movies, Sasha Baron Cohen will play the punk brother of a James Bond-type spy in a spy comedy called Grimsby. And Cohen also co-wrote and is a producer on the film. Will Ferrell will star in The Yank. It's a comedy about a plan to steal the crown jewels. And Columbia Pictures is developing that one. And Zac Efron will star in a John Grisham novel-turned-movie called The Associate. It's about a top Yale law student. And uh, he's coerced into taking a job with a law firm after he is given privileged information on a multi-billion dollar case. That's it for upcoming new movies. Next on On Screen and Beyond, taking you down to Sequel City to find out what's coming your way as far as sequels. Right here on On Screen and Beyond. Sequel City, well, it looks like Haley Steinfeld will join the cast of Pitch Perfect 2. And David Spade says he's working on Joe Dirt 2. But this time they're saying it may just be a direct-to-video release. We'll see what happens with that. And the 007 director says the next Bond film, now only called Bond 24, will tie back strongly to Skyfall. So before it comes out, you might want to check Skyfall out again. That's it for Sequel City. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, TV on DVD. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. 
Ethics is the Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX is the Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. TV on DVD. Well, on July 22nd, Xena Warrior Princess Season 5 will land on DVD in a five disc set. And that same date, July 22nd, Hercules The Legendary Journeys. Season 5 hits stores starring Kevin Sorbo. And, of course, Kevin has been uh, on our show twice here at On Screen and Beyond for interviews. And you can catch those episodes of On Screen and Beyond with Kevin Sorbo. If you go back to onscreenandbeyond.com, go to our reruns page, and you can check those out. So uh, be sure to check them out. And Showtime's Masters of Sex Season 1 arrives on June 24th on DVD and Blu-ray. That's it. For TV on DVD, coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, Movies on DVD. (laughs) Movies on DVD, Jack Ryan, Shadow Recruit, with Chris Pine, jumps into stores on June 10th. Colin Farrell stars in Winter's Tale on DVD and Blu-ray on June 24th. And the estimated release for The Amazing Spider-Man 2 is September. That's it for Movies on DVD. Next on On Screen and Beyond, it's TV and Entertainment Time. TV and entertainment time. It looks like actor Bob Hoskins has passed away at the age of 71. He was known for his many, many roles, and most notably for Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And the Sci-Fi Channel has greenlit Sharknado 3. That's right, Sharknado 3. You can look for it the summer of 2015 to hit the air. And the TV show Girl Meets World, the spinoff of Boy Meets World, will premiere on July 27th on the Disney Channel. That's it for TV and Entertainment Time here at On Screen and Beyond. Next on On Screen and Beyond, Nancy Malone will be joining us. And uh, like I said earlier, she was uh, notably for a TV show called Naked City and for a very specific episode of The Twilight Zone. Many people remember that. And she was one of the first women to be an executive for a studio. So, a lot of accomplishments. Unfortunately, this past weekend, she has passed away at the age of 79. But we have a wonderful interview with her, and I hope you're going to enjoy this. Nancy Malone is next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Today on On Screen and Beyond, my guest is an Emmy-nominated actress and director and an Emmy-winning producer. She co-starred in the TV show The Naked City and directed episodes of Cagney and Lacey, Touched by an Angel, Star Trek Voyager, and many, many others. It's Nancy Malone. Nancy, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Thanks so much, Brian. I'm delighted to be your guest on the show. Nancy, you know, I looked at your credits and... You've done so many things, and of course, I recognized your face the moment I, I looked, and I remember you from the episode of Twilight Zone. Oh, my God. <laughs> the I'm second... not laughing at you. I'm laughing because 
it seems to be an extremely popular show all over the world. As a matter of fact, I, I get tons of fan mail and just received one yesterday from South Africa. Wow. So I thought, I can't escape. Yeah. <laughs> it's everywhere. I mean, that episode is, you know, there's certain episodes of The Twilight Zone that everybody remembers. They remember the mm -hmm. uh, William Shatner on the plane. Oh, yeah. They remember the Burgess Meredith with the, with the, the glasses and, and the books and, and, and right. this episode that you're in. I mean, it's, it's just – I mean, it's, it was a great show anyways. Right. But Well, uh, I, you know, it was extremely uh, exciting to do because everybody in the whole business at that time wanted to do a Twilight Zone. And, it, you know, it had, it had attracted every star on television and in films – because they were so well written and so well directed and so imaginative, and uh, I remember when I got the script and the director's name I think was Gerd Oswald, and whom I had never worked with before. He, wonderful, wonderful man. Subsequently, I did another show with him, but um, it, it must have been a hundred and something degrees at MGM in the back lot, which is I don't know if your listeners know from back lot, but it. MGM and all those studios used to have an enormous amount of property. Mm -hmm. um, you know, <clears throat> what they would have uh, outside of houses and mansions and swimming pools and all that sort of thing, and houses all along the street. Um, and so this that was called the back lot as opposed to the studio where all the stages were. Mm -hmm. yeah. Anyway, we were shooting in the back lot, you know, obviously running down the street. And... Um, it was so hot. It was, I mean, you couldn't put your foot out, and I think I had taken my shoes off at one point to do running. <laughs> the cement and the grass, which, of course, wasn't grass. Mm. It was some kind of manufactured plastic or something. <laughs> I was barely, was barely able to put my toes down. Mm. And so all the crew, of course, were laughing because they were all shoes and sandals and shorts and everything else like that. And I said... This is an added problem <laughs> in this show. I'm trying to get out of this town. I'm trying to get out of the town too because it's so hot. But um, anyway, it was it was a wonderful episode, and I was very proud of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I say, it's one that everybody remembers, and it's it's it was just a, you know just such a great show. Now, uh, were you auditioning for that when you got the part, or did they were they looking for you, or how did that work? Well, they were looking for me, actually, because having been in New York doing theater and Naked City, of course, um, I was a New York actress. Uh, they used to term the terms, and that's a New York actress as opposed to somebody being in Hollywood all the time. And um, that show, Naked City, was such an enormous hit, and I um, was called out all the time to do various shows like Dr. Kildare and Marcus Welby and all that. And one would you come out and do those shows and go home again. And uh, my agent, who I think was William Morris at the time, insisted that I come back out and do Twilight Zone. And having been a fan of the show, I was thrilled and came out and did the show. And I think they booked me for one other show, Bonanza or something. And then I went back home. But I was <clears throat> a rather important commodity uh, of young leading ladies at that time so they were looking for something that you know could really be something appropriate for me and also something that i could really get behind and i 
certainly did both. I, I loved doing that episode. Now, Naked City, which which I do have the complete series on DVD. So. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> I must get it. Yeah. Uh, now, now, with that show, how did you get on that one? Was it something that you auditioned for? I, I must say the audition process didn't hit me um, with uh, enormous regularity. I was, you know, I started when I was six, so I had developed wow. a reputation of, you know, rather lofty and um so they if they wanted nancy malone they called my agent and that was that um but on naked city cast by one of the greatest casting people that ever lived myron dougherty and uh she let's see i was doing a play i think at the time and she called my agent and had me come in to meet her i had not met her ever and to meet the producers and that was that i mean they wanted me from the beginning hmm. so i was uh again very blessed because that was uh that was a real watershed series first time people had shot on the streets of new york and um it was a full hour in those days they didn't have so many commercials so you didn't do 42 minutes which they probably do today you know you did almost a full hour wow so we we didn't have time off like they do today we we shot most of the year i think we got a month off or two maybe two months at that hmm. no at least uh, it made a nice job for <laughs> it was wonderful everybody was happy because everybody worked a lot right yeah Gee. now how was it working on the streets like that actual filming well, the boys had it easy because, you know, again, here comes winter and, you know, they have the long johns under their pants and, you know, and big, you know, heavy thermal shirts. And here am I in the high heels and the little stockings and, you know, freezing to death. <laughs> and they would all, of course, chuckle and go, oh, but very chivalrous and would bring blankets and hot coffee and that sort of thing. And then I'd say, I'll be back. I'll be hiding in this building till you need me where the heat is. So, uh, and the same, of course, applied for the summertime. You know, they could take off the undershirts and kind of walk around, you know, with just the trousers on, and I'd be in something that would be <laughs> very warm. Yeah. Oh, huh. But anyway, the, the the thing that I found most wonderful about the extraordinary writing on that show was the opportunity to work with great people. And when I wasn't actually working with Paul Burks, for example, my co-star, I would stand and watch, you know, Walter Matthau or Bob Duvall or any of those people. Bob Duvall had not, you know, attained his stardom at that point, but he was such an incredible actor. And I'd come back when I knew they were working just to watch and to learn from the greats, which, you know, today when I'm directing, you know, an actor will come and say, what time am I through today? And I'm always chagrined with their lack of wanting to learn and observe. But um, I guess not too much is demanded from them these days. Do you find a big difference between the way actors used to be and they are now? I do. I do. Um, People say to me when I'm teaching... um, you know, all I want is a series. And I go, how about all I want is a, being a good actor? Mm, yeah. And I get these looks of, you know, what? <laughs> you know, disbelief that I had said such a thing. 
but for the most part, some of the young people that I have worked with are are not interested in developing the soul of their characters. They're interested in, you know, being on Entertainment Tonight, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And that sort of thing, which I find so disagreeable might be a nice word, um, to what I was, you know, exposed to and the teachers that I learned from. Mm-hmm. Now, there's so many different things you've done, and, and I'd like to get into more acting parts too. But sure. I, I do want to get touch the other things that you've done. Uh, directing, you, you've di- directed so many great television shows. Thank you. I have been lucky. Yeah, it, are, are there any ones particular that come to mind that you were, you know, really glad that you got to be able to direct? Um, well, you know, it was always a great sport to do. Aaron Spelling shows, all the the dynasties that I did, and all of the uh, Melrose places, and mm-hmm. just hotels, you know, all, all of Aaron's things. He was very fond of me, and he really gave me my first start. And uh, I, I I love doing all those. One show that I did do for PBS, and it, it wound up at PBS. We actually made it for the benefit of the Alzheimer's Society, but I wanted to do a project about Alzheimer's. This was in 1986, where very few people were talking about it, much less pronouncing it. And um, a very fine writer who was a comedy writer was a friend of mine, and I said, would you just take a chance with me and let's write a script about Alzheimer's and let's give the man of the husband and wife team the problem? And I said, I'll call Shirley Jones, who was a dear friend, and see if she would just play along. You know, we don't have any money. We just, I'm just going to make the movie. Mm-hmm. So we made the movie, and uh, with um, Shirley, of course, who committed to it right on, and Lynn Carew, uh, who was magnificent. And uh, PBS bought it, and they don't acquire or didn't acquire in those days. They usually produced in-house in their own in their own show. Mm-hmm. Um, but they acquired this, and it was the highest-rated drama that they had had up until that time. And we raised about $3 million for the Alzheimer's Foundation. Wow, that's great. And we were very proud of that. Oh, and yeah. it won all sorts of awards. And we were, that, that, that speaks to the, to the heart kind of pictures that I love. And, um, but the rest of my, my work, the Cagneys and Lacey's and Rosie of Neil and Sisters and all those wonderful shows. Um, yeah, great I shows. always had a good time because the quality of the producers um, and their dedication to good work uh, was always very, very evident. And um, I had I had a very good run with some of, some of those people because they were they were terrific to work for and with. Now, in the, in '76, you became the first female vice president of television for 20th Century Fox. Uh, that's that's quite an achievement, considering. Let's face it; it was a good old boys. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it hasn't changed that much, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but just not to correct you in any way, but per, I think the preference is woman. I think people. You know, in our business, even, you know, famous newscasters and what have you, uh, don't seem to say women. They'll say girls or female or something or other. But, you know, 
there is the women's room and the men's room. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, we've we've got to get over the shyness of saying women. Yeah. Um, because it is it is what we are, and we certainly are female. But women is, I think, the preferred phrase for those of us who have trampled through the chauvinistic world of show business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, it was a it was great because uh, um, a gentleman uh, by the name of Cy Salkowitz, uh, who was one of the writers on Naked City and one of the great writers on Naked City, um, remembered that I was producing Movies of the Week, and he called me and said, "Would you have any interest in coming over to 20th Century Fox and developing stuff? You did that, you know, in another company." And I thought, oh, the fun of being with Cy, and also Jack Haley was president of television, and um, whose father, for your listeners who might not know, was in The Wizard of Oz as the Tin Man. And I was jumping at it. I just ran over there and became uh, in charge of all development. And because I had great success um, doing that job, they made me vice president, and I was the first woman vice president of a major studio. Mm-hmm. But believe me, the pressure was tremendous because sure. uh, while I sat at the president, Dennis Stanfield, who was president of the entire Fox, not just the television unit, um, and there were no other women at the table, and one would have to go around the table and present what successes or what failures they had had during the past three months or or whatever, (laughs) when it would come to me, I'd say, I'm going to just get the coffee (laughs) and go back to my old original image of, I'll get the coffee, honey. (laughs) But um, they all appreciated my sense of humor, and uh, I did did a good job for them. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you think that it, it, it it's changed very much, though, I mean, since then? As well, far as far as, as women... women, you know, in positions of development or in uh, positions of some power, um, not that much. Uh, I see that there's, you know, new people at Paramount in development, and a lot of women, and the thing that impresses me is that very few people uh, women at the motion picture end of things have the yes vote. They have a lot of the no votes, um, but they don't have the power of the green light, as they say, uh, to green light a picture. Um, television has more women in it, granted. And only recently that's become a fact uh, because, you know, there really aren't that many out there. And one of the reasons I think find really upsetting uh, is that women have had a hard time helping other women. I think because the jobs for them are so narrow. 
that they're so grateful to grab it um, that they don't turn around and help the rest of us. Uh-huh. And uh, that's a real sad thing, yeah. which is one of the reasons that uh, we founded uh, six, seven of us, an organization called Women in Film. And, you know, with the hopes that that kind of camaraderie would would release the uh, nervousness or the jealousy or the anxiety of having a woman shoulder to shoulder. And other reasons is that, you know, guys get to go play basketball or they go away for the weekend on golf trips and all that stuff. Women don't have that kind of social um, outlet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We just don't. I mean, we either go home and take care of our kids or our husbands or our lovers or our significant others or what have you and, you know, do the housework. But um, the guys have that ability to make deals and be comrades with one another. And uh, I think it's a big, big shame and a big something that should be fixed. Um, a social kind of outlet for for the women. I mean, we do dinners, of course, that sort of thing. Yeah. But not, you know, not the golf weekend where there's a little competition and a little fun in between and a couple of drinks and, you know, looking at pretty women in the bar or whatever. Um, that's, that's something we we are not, uh, accept- we don't have that accessibility. Yeah. Well, I'm- so I think that's a, a major, major factor in a funny way, yeah. in, an, in an interesting way. Yeah. Well, there's an extremely um, incredible woman named Professor Martha Lausanne, L-A-U-Z-E-N, I think she spells her name. And she has been uh, for years covering uh, and doing stats on how many women cinematographers, how many women directors, and so on, right and up and down the line. And one would have thought by now uh, that there would be vast improvements, but mm, yeah. I get my Directors Guild magazine, and where it shows, you know, the the directors who are who are screening their films at the Guild, not page after page after page of of fellas, mm-hmm, yeah. and no women. Yeah. I mean. It's just, you know, and I've taught at various schools, and, you know, 95% of my class are are made made up of fellas. And I always tell the women, you have to work twice as hard and be twice as brilliant because you're not going to get a chance at all if you aren't. Right. Uh, Getting in the door. Yes. True. Looking at all the other things, when you worked, you, I mean, you were working on TV back when it was live. <laughs> you know? Yes. How was yeah, it? Yeah, some of us were live and some of us were medium live. <laughs> but how was it working in, in a live atmosphere? And, you know, there's a few programs around now that do live, but it, it's, it wasn't, it's, not, it's, it's not a scripted show. But how was it working on a scripted show live? Were there a lot of mistakes back then that you had to sort of cover up? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you one funny story. I, um, you know, when Fred Silverman, who was the president of uh, all three networks at one time, um, not at one time he was president, but he had managed to, right. to be president of all three networks during his lifetime, and, and he's still alive and kicking. Um, I was doing a soap, either Guiding Light. Yeah, I think it was Guiding Light. 
And I had a little dog, a little long-haired dachshund that I traveled with all the time because she was very ill and I had to give her medication. And I, everybody loved her and she was very quiet, very sweet. And I'd bring her down to rehearsal on the set and we rehearse and that's how, and she'd sit on one of the little chairs that nobody was using. And, um, and then the process was you had a rehearsal, then you went and got hair and makeup done. And then at 15 minutes to airtime, to live airtime, you'd come down the stairs and you'd be in your place and then the stage manager would count, okay, five, four, three, two, one, and point at you and you were on the air. So this happened to me and I'm on the air and I turn around, <laughs> there's the dog sitting in the chair. <laughs> I've forgotten to bring her upstairs to makeup. And she, I just I gave her a look like a, a mother telling a kid not to go out, you know. I gave her such a look. And the other actors were turning up stage because they were screaming, laughing. And I was saying, should I go over and sit on her so that nobody sees her? Oh, well, I hope to God she doesn't open her mouth and we can get past it. Well, it was funny because the cameramen were laughing too because they saw her. And uh, but that you know things like that happen. Yeah. You know, uh, different shows of Hallmark Hall of Fame, and I did. James Dean made his uh, debut on that show. Wow! And he went. He uh, was incredibly attractive and wonderful, and you knew right away that was a special, special performer. Yeah. And uh, another show I did where I was with my father, who was played by a major star who I will not reveal. Um, the first scene was, it was about the girls, the teenagers' prom. And the father's supposed to come in and cut, um, tap the, the fellow that she's dancing with on the shoulder so he can dance with her. And that's how the story began. And no major star. <laughs> He was a little drunk in the dressing room. Oh, so um, it was called You Had to Improvise. Yeah. And, you know, think fast on your feet. Yeah, but I tell you, it's great training. <laughs> yeah. Uh, great training. Yeah. Now, you did a lot of work with uh, producing things for Bob Hope. Uh, did you know Bob mm -hmm. well? Did you know him well? Bob Hope? Yes. Uh, well, he was, he was quite you know, old, uh, when I had the opportunity to direct uh, one of his Christmas shows. And um, the other part of it was he had a 90th birthday show, yes. which was a three-hour show. And I, I had directed all the clips um, that were incorporated. So it was 90 minutes of clips and 90 minutes of the show. And um, it was it was a it was. I knew more about Bob Hope's <laughs> movies than any human being, I think, except Bob Hope. Right. Yeah. But he was uh, terrific to work with. I mean, you know, when somebody's been around that long and has done vaudeville and come up through movies and television, I mean, there's nothing the man didn't know, mm, and yeah. uh, and had great taste. Never was insulting to anybody in his comedy. And right. You know, that's a thing of the past. Yeah. Well, Nancy, I know we're running out of time, uh, but I'd like to finish up with two final quick questions. Sure, Brian. You've been in so many TV shows and directed and produced and all that, but when you sit back and relax, 
what are your favorite shows now and of the past, and what are your favorite movies now and of the past? Um, well, I'll go movies first because I'm I'm devoted to The Wizard of Oz. Uh, classic, <laughs> I just yeah. love that. Yeah, I, it has such a moral, and uh, and it's such a deep, actual deep movie. If you really start to pull apart what it all means about going home again, mm-hmm. yeah. um, I I adore that film and could watch it. I have it on my iPhone. I mean, that's how crazed I am about yeah. it. And um, it would be hard to select one television show that I viewed that I liked more than another because, again, uh, I find today's dramas so similar. I can barely tell one from the other um, with the exception of kind of being fond of one actor or another, but it's all cops, it's all violence, it's all everything, or it's very stupidly written comedies. And, um, you know, I just... I, I just think, gosh, you know, what what kind of what kind of taste are we displaying here for a new audience? Um, yeah. That it all has to be similar. I mean, look at the features. Marvel comic rules. Right. Oh yeah. And, <laughs> you know, I would give anything to see a a picture about people. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the old Laura, for example, or Nav Voyager, or any of those old '40s Warner Brother, but they had stories. Yeah. And there are no stories today. I mean, there's, uh, you know, I don't mean to attack Juno, for example, but even that was a big hit. But, you know, when the father, when she comes in and says she's pregnant, the father says, oh, my God, I'm glad it's not drugs. I mean, what does that say about mm-hmm. young women who are impregnated? Mm-hmm. It, it yeah. kind of dismisses the, the, the difficulties and the realities of, of having a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, you know, it, you, you sound as if you're a thousand years old and, you know, that everything is okay. But, I you know, I, I love stories and, you know, there's a great movie, great, great, great movie called, I think it's called Circle or Circle of Numbers. And it was a Belgian film that was up for Academy Award this year mm-hmm. as Best Foreign Film. It did not win, shockingly, but... Um, it's one of the best stories and best acted films I've seen in a long, long time. Beautifully directed, beautifully performed, and with a story that has something to do with someone's heart and intelligence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, those are the pictures that appeal to me. Yeah. No blow-ups. No, Old-fashioned no as it may be. Pardon me? <laughs> no explosions, no... <laughs> no, not yeah. one. Yeah, nice story. Only explosions That's... of the heart. That's right. all. yeah. Well, Nancy, thank you so much for taking the time. I, I really appreciate uh, that you took the time to talk to us and share your stories with us. And uh, there's so many other things we could talk about, but I know we don't have that, you know, the time. But uh, I, I thank you so much. Well, Brian, thank you for your wonderful, insightful questions. It was very stimulating, and I enjoyed talking with you. Nancy Malone, what a wonderful person and great actress and director and also studio executive. And I want to thank her so much for taking the time. Uh, Unfortunately, like I said, this weekend she passed away shortly uh, after we had done the interview. So uh, our thoughts are going out to her family, and I hope you enjoyed that interview. And uh, let's see, what else we have going on here? Uh, A lot of uh, interesting things coming our way here at On Screen and Beyond, lining up a lot of great guests for you. And uh, if you need some listening, we have over 314 celebrity guests in the music world, 
TV world and movie world at onscreenandbeyond.com or on iTunes. You can check it out either place. We have them all there. The backlog is just tremendous. There are such great people there, and they tell their stories and let us know about what they're doing and what they're up to and what's going to happen and what are their favorite TV shows, what are their favorite movies, what are they? It's all there at onscreenandbeyond.com. I hope you'll check that out. Tell a friend, and uh, if you are uh, in another country, and like you say, on the first page of onscreenandbeyond.com, we have a map of the world, and we have all the countries of the world in white labeled as who has listeners of On Screen and Beyond. But if we missed you, if you're one of the countries that's, uh, what are they, yellows and pinks and whatever other colors there are, if we haven't uh, marked your country to be as a listener or listeners from uh, that country, be sure to email me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com, and I will change that. And uh, we are covering almost, we're covering all the world, but, uh, of course, uh, not every country has listeners that have on screen and beyond. But uh, if you are, and I don't have you down, be sure to email me. I'd love to change that map. I'd like, like to make it all one color so we have listeners at every point of the world. That would be great. All right, if you have a suggestion for who you would like to hear at On Screen and Beyond, email it to me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. I'll see what I can do about getting that person on. And we had a lot of great suggestions in the past week, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm digging into it. Uh, some of them we have actually tried to connect with, but uh, we just didn't get the person. So, uh, you know, we'll try. Just email it to me. And uh, let's see, if you are on Facebook, be sure to like us. And if you are on iTunes, leave a review. That'll help more people hear about On Screen and Beyond. And uh, like I said earlier, if you uh, want to go to onscreenandbeyond.com and you haven't listened to all the interviews, check them out. It's just fascinating to hear this, the stories of these people. And uh, that's about it. That's a wrap for this week. So until next week, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care.